welcome to the Adult Bedwetting Podcast. I'm your host, Adult Unuretic. This is episode number five, talking to a new doctor about it. It, of course, being adult bedwetting or incontinence. Talking to the doctor about this subject can be a challenge in general, but talking to a new doctor about this, broaching the subject, can be an additional challenge. It could be that this is your first time speaking to any doctor about this subject at all. In that case, this is entirely new territory. On the other hand, it could be that you're seeing a new doctor for the first time. You're switching to an adult doctor from a pediatrician. You're new to the area, and you've moved, and you need to find a new doctor. It could be that your old doctor is retired, and you've been referred to a new doctor as a new patient, or that you've just had to find a new doctor because your old doctor is retired. Sometimes a doctor moves away and moves their practice, and you have to find a new doctor. In that case, you may have some experience bringing up the subject with a doctor in the past that you can use to transition to speaking to your new doctor. It could also be that you have a long-standing relationship with this doctor, but something has changed. You've only recently begun experiencing symptoms, and now you need to have this talk. In the U.S., this generally means a visit to your PCP, or primary care physician. In fact, it's often required before you can see a specialist. If this is going to be your first visit with this doctor, you can try putting the complaint in your intake paperwork and hope that they bring it up for you instead of having to bring it up yourself. If this is not your first visit, you need to be prepared to bring this up yourself another way, either to bring it up and speak it to them, Or, if you don't think that you're going to be able to bring it up yourself, you can try writing it out and handing it as a note to the doctor for them to read. Be prepared for the nurse to ask you why you're there. You don't have to tell the nurse why you are there if you are too embarrassed to have to say it twice. You can always wait and tell the doctor directly when they enter the room. If you're making a urinary complaint, be prepared to provide both urine and blood samples during your visit. The doctor is probably going to want a urine culture to check for the presence of a urinary tract infection and also going to check your urine for the presence of sugars to check for the status of uh, potentially diabetes. They're also going to want to check your blood for blood sugar levels, again for the presence of diabetes, and also going to want to have your blood checked for PSA level if you're male to give them a quick reference for prostate health. Make sure that any questions that you have are written down and ready to go so that the short time that you do have with the doctor isn't wasted. You can write them either on a notepad or on a note app on your phone so that you have them at the ready when you do get that precious time. Don't expect too much from the PCP in terms of answers to all of your questions in terms of treatments. But ask about what options that you do have and see what they come up with and or medication that they could offer you that might help in the short term. In terms of a PCP, you can mostly expect medication or a referral. If you get a referral, you're going to likely get a referral to a urologist or a urogynecologist if you're female. A different situation is the individual who might be incontinent or be a bedwetter and feels they need to tell their doctor this but is not seeking treatment. 
Perhaps it's somebody who wears diapers or wears pads and feels that it would be obvious during an examination, but doesn't need to seek treatment. Perhaps they've already been down this road with other doctors and don't want to repeat the treatment options. They're comfortable with where they've landed. Perhaps you're a bedwetter and your doctor asks you on a frequent basis whether or not you get up to use the toilet at night and you just want to make it clear that you don't but you also are not interested in seeking treatment. Just be prepared to offer an explanation for how you manage and why and why you're not interested in seeking treatment in the future and hopefully that should be sufficient. If you do get a referral to urology or if your insurance allows you to self-refer your experience at the first visit is going to be somewhat different. You should write out detailed notes about your symptoms, explain how often you're experiencing symptoms, what your triggers are, any details that come to mind. You should make a list of daily food and beverages, time of day, quantities, try and think of any allergies that you have to food and beverages that might or might not be relevant. Now is the time to revisit that list of questions that you had for your PCP. Those treatments that the PCP may not have been able to fully explain or expand upon, this is the time to ask about them again. Ask about the risks, potential outcomes, and realistic improvements that are meaningful to quality of life. By this I mean not just that there's some improvement possible, but what it means in terms of actually making an improvement that is meaningful to an outcome that can serve you in your real life. So as an example, for bedwetting it may be that they can reduce the number of wet nights from six to four per week. But does that actually make a difference to you in terms of being dry often enough to get you out of diapers at night? If it doesn't, then is that something that's really worth pursuing? Maybe a different treatment would be a better option. Likewise, a Botox treatment for urge incontinence that reduces wedding incidents by 60% might sound great if you're having wedding accidents six times a year, but may not make a huge quality of life difference if you're having wedding accidents ten times a day. Results of any tests done by your PCP may be valuable, so bring them with you. Generally speaking, with modern medical record keeping, results are shared across doctor's offices, this isn't always the case, so bringing a copy of them with you or having access to your patient portal may be useful to be able to share the results directly with your referral when the time comes. Even if you have the results of your urine sample from your previous visit at hand, be prepared to provide another urine sample. In fact, you should come to the urologist's visit with a full bladder. Expect to provide an extensive medical history. Don't be surprised if the doctor requests information not just on your medical history, but as much as you can recall on first-degree relatives as well. The doctor may ask you to keep a bladder diary at your first appointment and bring it back at a subsequent appointment. You may wish to take the initiative and begin a bladder diary before your first appointment and bring it with you to cut down on time. If that's the case, there's a bladder diary attached in the show notes that you can use as an example or print the pages off and just use those as a template. First visits do not often include testing, but do often include exams. 
men may experience a digital rectal exam. That's the exam of the prostate where the doctor inserts a finger into the rectum to feel the prostate manually. And women may experience a pelvic exam. Of course, everybody's first doctor's visit story is going to be a little different. Myself, my bedwetting was sporadic for years. I never bothered to bring it up with a doctor. I just dealt with it. I figured I could manage it without treatment, so I didn't want to deal with the embarrassment. It all changed after my 30th birthday. About that time, my life changed all at once. In about a year, I quit my old job, started a PhD program in a different state, moved over a thousand miles, got a new job associated with the PhD, we bought our first home. My wife temporarily had to move a long way away, back to our old home, back to our old area. I had a cancer scare. I started developing blood clots for the first time that I knew of. Uh, and after all of that, my wife got pregnant. Smack in the middle of all of that, my bedwetting escalated from maybe a couple of times a month, which is the frequency of increased to over the past several years to three or four times a week. It was very distressing at the time. My wife was really good about it, but she was also very insistent that I should talk to a doctor about it. At that time, I didn't have a doctor. We relatively new in the area. I was just using the campus clinic for my needs. So I made a walk-in appointment, made some excuse up to be seen, gave the front desk some BS reason why I needed to be there. Uh, I had high blood pressure for years, so I think it was something along those lines. I played along with the basic complaint when the nurse came in, waited to be seen by the doctor, and spent most of my time waiting, rehearsing for what I was going to say. When the doctor finally came in, I spent most of the time talking about other stuff, and basically waited until the doctor was about ready to leave. Finally swallowed my pride, the lump in my throat, and said, actually, there's something else I want to talk to you about. I told him that I'd been wetting the bed for years, but only here and there. It recently had been happening multiple times a week. So, predictably, he ordered a urine culture, blood test for PSA, and gave me a referral to a urologist. He also told me that a lot more college students wet the bed than I probably realized. That seems to be something that a lot of doctors want to tell you, is that there's a lot more people in your category than you seem to think there would be. For me, that was kind of cold comfort. Yes, I was technically a college student, but as a PhD student, I was a lot older than the typical college student, so it wasn't all that reassuring. At that time, I didn't really have the money for a specialist, so I didn't really follow up on that. A couple of years later, I finally got a regular uh, doctor, so I went and filled him in on the symptoms, including the bedwetting. This time, I just rattled it off with all my other maladies that I had started to collect at that point. kind of shrugged it off, but asked if I had seen a urologist about it. Since I hadn't, he gave me a referral. This time, when I went to see the urologist, he knew the score when I arrived, because it was in the referral. He asked a lot of questions. He asked if I had a history of it, if I had daytime urinary symptoms. He repeated the urine culture. He had me use some tests and measured urine flow. Uh, 
you're in volume, flow rate, you're in the ultrasound of my uh, kidneys, my bladder, both while it was full, while it was empty, check for residual volume, didn't find anything unusual. They told me they could do more testing, they didn't expect to find much, they didn't have any daytime incontinence issues, and didn't really have any signs of any underlying serious problems like prostate or bladder cancer. The next test would have been full urodynamics and or uroscopy, both of which involved inserting uh, catheters of various diameters into my urethra. I didn't really want to do that, so I kind of declined to proceed any further, especially since he didn't think that he was going to find anything. So that basically ended that relationship. Since then, I've told my new GP in our new area, since we've moved again, told my endocrinologist, my neurologist, and my therapist. Uh, all of them have the information. I've given it to them in the intake forms. So it was no noted as a complaint. I didn't really have to bring it up. The endocrinologist, I did have to basically bring it up because... I was there to talk about pituitary hormones, and she was talking about that, but she didn't mention it herself. I brought it up because I wanted to know whether or not it could be connected. Um, she didn't really seem to think so. None of them really made a big deal out of it. I actually brought it up with my therapist because I was in an argument with my mother because she had given up the information and told my sister about it after I had trusted her with the information at one point, so it became a topic of discussion. My neurologist has been the most helpful overall. He gave me a prescription for imipramine. He didn't end up helping, but at least he tried. He also worked me up for central sleep apnea. That ended up being a dead end. I had a formal sleep study, gave some weird, interesting results, but that didn't really end up being helpful either in terms of the bedwetting. Currently my PCP wants to refer me back to the urologist again since I haven't been there in years. I'm waiting for that referral to go through so we'll see how that ends up going. So I'm going to have another first visit to the doctor story again. Maybe this time I'll get some more useful information but I'm not getting my hopes up. Back on the subreddit, when we did this as a weekly topic, we had a few people write in with their experiences. One user said, I'll chime in here. I've been to several doctors throughout the years. I'm definitely glad I've sought medical attention. However, it has not produced a whole lot of real-world results. The first doctor I told was when I was a teenager. I had booked a physical with my primary care doctor. After the preliminary exam, I explained that I was having regular accidents at night. It was actually very unprofessional. It made me feel like crap. He said that at my age, I shouldn't be happening. Duh. He proposed no real solution except to see a bunch of specialists. Honestly, I think I would have pursued additional tests if he would have had better manners about it. I decided to simply manage my symptoms with diapers. I did that for years. About ten years later, I ended up meeting an amazing, smart, beautiful woman. We got married, and she was incredible about my bedwetting. Since I had not been to the dock in years, she insisted that I go. Since we were having trouble with infertility, I wanted to rule out that wearing diapers weren't having an impact. I met with a urologist who was absolutely amazing. 
explained that I often have accidents at night, said it with kind of a chuckle, and with a full realization that it was not the most common scenario. I figured if anyone would understand, it was probably a urologist. He smiled and reassured me it was okay, almost as if he could sense my nervousness. He was glad I shared, and he smiled and said, you would be shocked how many adults I see that have this issue. It's way more common than people even realize. He then asked me how I managed it, and I said, well, these incontinence products, adult diapers and such. He asked, is that working for you okay? I said, yeah, I guess. He asked if I wanted a referral to a neurologist. He was pretty confident that it was just part of my physiology. Then I also explained my daytime symptoms, and he diagnosed me with OAB. He said medication may or may not help, but I didn't want to go that route. So he said, keep managing it in the way that I was and let him know if I wanted to explore other options. It was a really positive experience overall. It's funny, the two scenarios there don't sound all that different, but a little shift in bedside manner completely changed the way the message was received. Another user wrote in with a story about some iffy bedside manner as well. The biggest fears are usually not involved with the doctor, but with the younger nurses and technicians you have to deal with to get to the doctor. When I made my first appointment with the latest urologist, the male nurse on the phone asked me what the issue was. After I said bedwetting, there was probably a 30 second pause, after which I said hello, and he said yes. He wasn't sure if there was an option for that on his computer. Then after getting my annual bladder ultrasound and piss test, knowing that the nurses are looking at the chart and seeing it right there can make you nervous too. My blood pressure always comes out high, my voice can get a little shaky. I usually trust the doctors though. Even though I'm a gay guy, I can get really embarrassed when the urologists touch my genitals, and I swear some of them spend more time down there than they need to. It always feels like I'm in slow motion when that happens. Also, one time I told my urologist I thought my bedwetting was getting better. I was hoping he'd give me some encouragement, but instead he looked flatly at the chart and said, Well, you're 34. It shouldn't be happening at all. Ouch. I've also had some interesting experiences keeping bladder diaries, with details on how much I drink and how much I pee throughout the day. We all know that doctors are humans, too but it does make you wonder what some of them are thinking about when they say the things that they do. That about wraps it up for this week. If you want to get in contact with me, you can find me at Reddit the usual way. You can email me at adultenuretic at gmail.com. And this week I've added a new option. You can leave a voice message by going to speakpipe.com slash adultbedwetting. This is Adult Enuretic. Wishing you all a good night and a dry morning.